end of the line. Episode 25, Shivani. At first, it was her slippers hung up on the coat rack. Then she put the African violets in the fridge. And now this? A peg doll in the tea caddy. Daddy would have a fit. It's pushed down to the bottom, all covered with loose earl grey. Clothes, peg body, pink gingham dress, three long strands of brown wool for hair. How long has it been in there? I can't ask her. There's no point in setting her off. If you visited more often, you'd know. Never mind that I've just spent the last week packing up her stuff and moving her to a retirement apartment. That's the least dutiful daughter should do for her mother. Always dutiful. Never loving. It's not that I don't love her. Just that she's difficult to love. She's only two minutes away from me now. She could open the window and shout. Come and change the TV channel for me. Our dutiful daughter would know when Countdown was on. It's a long time since I lived so close to her. Still, at least I'll never have to go and stay. How are you getting on in there, Mom? Ready for another box? It's gone very quiet. Perhaps she's nodded off. She does that a lot these days. I remember this doll, Rosemary, um, no, Rosalind. I have no idea where I heard that name. I made her at play school. They call it kindergarten now, but it's the same. Finger painting and a sandpit and a story before home time. Mom unpacked my little plastic satchel and found Rosalind. And I said, <laughs> she's for you, mummy. She propped Rosalind up in the fruit bowl until she heard daddy's key in the front door. Then she tidied her away and I never saw her again. And now here she is, buried in tea and smelling of bergamot. She can't have been in the tea caddy for 50 years, can she? Daddy would never have allowed it. Everything had to be just so for him. Shoes neatly side by side in the cupboard, the rug exactly parallel to the wall, the knives all facing the same way in the drawer. No splotchy paintings on the fridge, no toys on the carpet, no Rosalind in the fruit bowl. 
I'm making tea, ma'am. And then I'll have to pop to the office for an hour or so. Nothing. She must be asleep. Normally, when I mention work, it's... You're lucky to have a job. I had a job once. A good job. Twenty secretaries under me in the typing pool. And me not yet twenty-five. And then you came along and it was all gone. And I never went back. Your father wouldn't allow it. Why did she put up with it? Put up with him? It's what people did back then. You got married. You had a family and the wife stayed at home. It's how it was. By the time you were grown up, Daddy was sick. She nursed him dutifully. How long it took him to die. Years of smells and indignities. The sick room clutter that infected every room of the house. It would have driven him mad if he'd known. I guess she was trapped. First by me. Then by him. She always told me. Do well at school. Focus on your career. Have choices. Don't end up like me. To be fair, she made the best of it. She sewed all my clothes and they were gorgeous. I never had to worry that another girl would be wearing the same dress as me. Even my school uniform had a trim around the pocket and the skirts had... French seams, and my school blouse was handmade in soft lawn. Not a scratchy cotton blouse bought from the co-op. And at weekends, she always took me out. Art galleries and the theatre and museums and zoos. Afterwards, we'd have hot chocolate or eat ice creams, and once we had hot chips out of paper, eaten in the street. <laughs> Terrified in case Daddy saw us. He hated people eating in the street, thought it was vulgar. She wasn't a natural mother, 
but she tried. She tried so hard, but the fact she had to try betrayed her. She was a reluctant mother, making the best of it. Perhaps that's what love is. Turning up and doing your best. Even when you don't really want to. You'd think after all that, the last thing I'd want is children. That I wouldn't want to inflict my childhood on them. But I went the other way. I dreamed of a huge family. Five girls. My dancing princesses. All with storybook names. Shirley and Aisha and Rita and Anjali and Sonia. I yearned for the mess and muddle. The fridge slathered with potato prints the long hair in the plug hole, the door slamming and squabbles over shoes. My husband wanted it to. He comes from a big family, a big happy family. Shirley came first. An easy pregnancy. And a horrible labour. Forty hours of it and every second I was thinking... Here comes my first dancing princess. Only Shirley never danced. Never even breathed. I miscarried Aisha at four months. Miscarried Rita and Anjali at three months. Sonia never came along at all. Mum cried with me over Shirley but I always wondered if she thought it was a silver lining and I never told her about the others. Let her think I was following her advice not to have children. They ruin your life. Stop you doing what you want to make you give up. Too much. She was a victim of her biology, just as much as I was of mine. If you're a woman, you're damned if you have children and damned if you don't. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I should have told her about my dancing princesses. Been honest with her. I'm going to tell her. Let her know I made my choice. After all, having a choice is what she wanted for me. Mom, you won't believe what I found in the tea caddy. She's holding a photo. Her on her last day at work. All the girls in the typing pool giving her a bouquet. Oh, she looks desolate. 
Her pregnancy bump is huge. She clung on to that job until the very last minute. She was lucky her waters didn't break there and then. And she's off. I loved that job. I gave it all up to have you. Every single day of my life, she's blamed me for being born. It's not my fault. I didn't ask to be born. Daddy said we'd need someone to look after us when we're old. I don't know what you'll do when you're my age. Is that all I ever was to you? An insurance policy? An endowment you've been paying into for 55 years? Were the museums and ice creams and French seams all just for this moment? A lump sum. Now you're widowed and can't get yourself to the doctor. Now you're putting the plants in the fridge and hiding peg dolls in the tea caddy. Is that why you tried your best, mom? A down payment on the future, is it? You say this is the end of the line, didn't you know? Shivani was played by Ruchika Jain. The episode was written by Kim Fleet and directed by Mark Haywood. Casting by Sydney Aldridge. Production support by Lynn McConway. Music by Daisy Chute and Kerry-Anne from The Herd Collective. The episode was recorded at The Sound Company in London and edited by Mitchell Harris. The End of the Line is an Ink Jockey production. But this is nothing.